Today on the LA Food Podcast, I'm your host, Lucas Servodio, wishing you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving, dear listener. May your biggest tribulation be deciding between pumpkin or apple pie for dessert. And to help you out with that one, the correct choice is both. Today's episode is all about gratitude. For our main course today, I'm joined by Father Saul to reminisce on the meals that we feel most grateful for in 2023. And although, yes, there are tales of surf and turf burritos, roasted bone marrow gnocchi, and pizza so good that it haunts my dreams to this day, it's really a conversation about the intangibles that make certain meals that much more memorable. But first, Father Saul and I chop up the latest and greatest headlines in the food world. There's a goat-level list of best dishes in Mexico City from the New York Times, and a not-so-goat-level list of where to eat in L.A. from pop singer Tate McRae. We do a copper drop inspired by the many food holiday gift guides that have come out over the past week, and Father Saul gives us his expert take on the infatuation's latest guide to LA's Indian and Pakistani restaurants. There's a fun little helping of bad idea, horrible idea for you. And for dessert today, we've got another edition of our acclaimed segment, Shitty Yelp Review of the Week, in which we each share a moment in the past week when the people in our lives would have been justified in leaving us a shitty Yelp review as humans. Let's just say that mine involves shrimp tacos, a stray dog, and poltergeist chef Diego Ar- Gotti. You won't want to miss it. Before we get into it, I just wanted to take a beat to express my gratitude to you, dear listener. I'm thankful for each and every one of you for choosing to spend an hour of your respective weeks with us on this podcast. Thank you for making this first year of the LA Food Podcast a success. The LA Food community is truly a special one, and I'm just humbled to be a part of it. That's probably enough sap for today, so without further ado, let's chow down. Welcoming back to the pod, a proud graduate of Doc Rivers University, it's Father Saul. Father Saul, how you doing today? How's it going, man? I am basking in the glow of a beautiful Sixers season. I'm all the way back in, baby. Let's do this. Fuck Doc Rivers. This is absolutely perfect because they are getting your hopes up as high <laughs> as possible just so that the fall hurts that much more when it inevitably comes. Here we go again, baby. I am ready to get hurt again. I can't wait. (laughs) You are ready to get hurt again. When the listeners hear this, it'll be after Thanksgiving, but I'm speaking to you before Thanksgiving. Are you excited for the holiday? I'm very excited. I'm wrapping up a few quick work things and then heading out tomorrow for Chattanooga, Tennessee, baby. My sister Isa is going to be hosting a family Thanksgiving for the first time. And this year I get double Thanksgiving because... We're going to go Chattanooga, Tennessee with Isa. She's going to host us out there. Then I'm going to head up to Boston, see my girlfriend's family, and they're going to host their own Thanksgiving on Saturday. Hell yeah. And then to top it all off, I end the weekend at a Boston Celtics game at the Garden behind enemy lines. So it's going to be a great weekend. I'm excited. All right. Wait, there's a lot going on here. So Chattanooga, is your sister hosting a traditional Thanksgiving or is she going to spice things up? A little bit of both. So we always, because my family always, we always host Thanksgiving every year. And it was always like a big thing, either that or like my best friend's family down the street, but our, my mom would be cooking, his mom would be cooking all that. And it was always, we have the fundamentals, the base, right? But then usually a dish or two here, like some mutton, Pakistani mutton or, you know, dal or kima or something would make its way. So I think Isa's going to do turkey. 
the basics, the staples, and then also toss in a dish or two that's a little bit more, a little more creative. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. And when we're talking like creative, do you mean like, uh, okay. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, that was a, that was, you can say that because it's your own culture, I guess. Um, and then moving up to Boston, do your girlfriend, do Emily's parents do things like pretty down the middle standard? I think standard, I think standard traditional and, and from what I can tell really well. So I'm excited for that. Damn, what do you mean from what you can tell from like family lore or have you like seen evidence? Well, both family lore, one and two, her mom's a great cook, man. She's cooking meats. I've had some great dinners, July 4th dinner. Um, she's a master on the barbecue and I assume that still translates to turkey. So it's going to be a good one. Turkey can be the downfall of many excellent cooks. So I, you know, it remains to be seen. Well, well I'll, I'll have the re- review review notebook out. Yeah. I'll be yelping her as we go. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, no, Max Shapiro style live Instagram reviews <laughs> of Emily's parents. Thanksgiving, please. Be, oh my God. The world needs it. Wait, the well, world I, needs I'd it. I'd be excommunicated from the house. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be worth it. Yeah, I, we are doing a pretty, pretty traditional by our standards. We're just going over to my wife's parents' house. And uh, my wife, as you know, doesn't eat meat. So we always have to get a little weird. But typically that means doing something like, you know, uh, Mexican or making pasta la vodka or something. But this year, uh, her mother, who was from originally from Maryland, she would kill me if I said she was from Baltimore. She hates Baltimore. <laughs> um, but originally, she was from Maryland. And uh, there's a really famous crab cake place called G and M's. And so, like, like they're mm-hmm. famous for those like big, like lump crab, like mounds of crab crab cakes. And they're getting them shipped in for Thanksgiving dinner. So, I'm pretty stoked about that. That sounds fucking good. That sounds awesome. This is the end of an era, though. The last, what, four or so years, I've made the pilgrimage down to L.A. and had Thanksgiving in your backyard. This is the first time in a little while, literally like half a decade, we're not doing that. I, it was three years you're being a big drama queen about this, but nah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it started during the pandemic because you couldn't be with your – you didn't want to like get your parents sick, so you were like, yeah. I don't give a shit about getting Luca and Morgan sick, so I'll just go – have Thanksgiving with them. And that, that commenced our beautiful tradition, but you know, like all good things have to come to an end, my man. Times change, baby. Yeah. Well, look, there's not a ton in the news this week, even though I managed to pack this agenda. Um, but there's like a ton of holiday content, ton of Thanksgiving content. And one of the things that happens at the end of the year is every single publication puts out a food gift guide. Literally every publication I think picked this week to put out their food gift guide, probably to time it with Black Friday, actually. And then, you know, we're talking about Eater, LAist, LA Times, New Yorkers. One was actually pretty good. Helen Rosner like went all in and it was pretty funny. Question for you, how likely are you to actually use these? If I remember, pretty likely. I think I have a lot of, uh, like between friends and family, a lot of interest in food and in cooking and so on. So if I want to I like to think outside the box and get like, you know, unique gifts for folks and something that fits someone's interests. So I think this would be kind of perfect. I'm, I'm a big fan of food gifts. You and your wife actually once gave me a great food gift, like an all timer when you gave me a, a, a pasta cookbook, pasta sauce cookbook and a pasta maker, Yeah, um, which I fucking love. Never used it, but 
still fucking love it. I read the book. I actually read a good chunk of the book. But it's still, it's still one of those meaningful gifts. It's one of those gifts that even if it never gets used, like I love me a cookbook, right? Yeah. And I will accept any and all cookbooks as gifts. So these lists are actually pretty helpful, whether it's for Isa, my parents, you guys, like a lot of folks in my life, I think would enjoy a food related gift. I'm glad you said that because I was literally going to bring up the fact that we got you a great food gift, aka the pasta machine, and you've never used it. So it's so intimidating. Yeah, I mean, it it just sums up a lot of these food gifts, though. I feel like they never ever get used. Like I one year, I got my wife an air fryer because I'm a romantic son of a bitch, and <laughs> she's used it like twice. You know what I mean? Like wow. It, yeah, so like uh, to be fair, you know, we don't have a very big kitchen, so it's just a, it's just hard to like get out of storage and like, you know, put on the counter and whatnot. But I I just have a feeling with a lot of these food gifts, they just don't get used. I do think to your point though, cookbooks, that's the way to go. If you're even if you can get all recipes online, a good aesthetically pleasing cookbook, yep, great gift. Yeah, because if you never even open it, it just looks nice on a shelf and you never know, right? Like it's just one of those things that you put on a coffee table, perfect coffee table book, looks nice. And then no matter what, whether or not you use a recipe, it's just kind of nice vibes. Cookies yeah. are nice vibes. And I bet, I bet the air fryer is going to pay off one day. They'll get yeah. a bigger kitchen and sitting on the counter. I bet it'll pay off. Yeah, one day to, to some person that picks it up at the Goodwill. Now, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you what the ideal food gift for Father Saul is, but I already know what it is. It's the Mario Batali oh. cookbook. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. Fucking pizza dough cinnamon rolls. No, the actual one, it's it's food adjacent. The actual answer. So, one, cookbooks. I, like I said, two, mugs. I'm all about cool mugs, man. Hmm. And I can never have enough. You can never have enough I didn't enough know mugs. this. No, yeah, no. Every time I'm around, when we went to Colombia for your bachelor party, which might be a trip that comes up again later in this show, I got got brought home a mug for Emily that we still use. It's probably our best one. Yeah, a, a solid mug will never go wrong. When did you do that? Did you do that in secret? I don't remember that. I did it at the airport on the way home, and I remembered to get a gift. <laughs> <laughs> hey, better late than never. Okay, well, look, I combed the food guides uh, because I'm an excellent host to figure out a list of things that I'd like to ask you whether you would cop or drop. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Okay. 38 bucks for a set of infused salts. Nah, I'm dropping that. I, I feel I have a couple fancy salts and I just never remember to use them. And if I use them on anything, it's basically just eggs. I don't, I like my salt. <laughs> it's normal. Don't fuck with my salt. Yeah. Infused salt, dropping. Dropping. I agree with that. 29 bucks for mushroom dust does it get you high <laughs> i for that price it fucking should <laughs> honestly that, that also sounds like a no for me dog yeah. the, the, the weird the weird condiments are really the food gifts that go like chili crisp is a pretty good idea that's usable for the most parts i think condiments end up on the shelf just being there mushroom dust is going to be a no for me yeah fly by jing like if you get somebody fly yeah. by jing have you had that shit yep Yep, oh, solid. my God. That's so good. Yeah, but mushroom dust, I, I'm going to say no as well. This is a good one. $180 for hand-forged titanium tongs. I I mean, the price is insane. I love me a set of tongs. Some good tongs that last me a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, just so I'm copying something here, I would absolutely cop some top-level tongs. They're, they're the most underused, underrated food cooking like utensil. Tongs all day. Yeah, I make a lot of pasta and tongs. If you 
need to make pasta with nothing but your hands and one utensil, I would recommend just tongs. And if somebody bought these tongs for me, I would be stoked. Am I buying them for myself? Uh, not until, you know, we, uh, we get that Tum sponsorship on the LA Food Podcast. Okay, a couple more for you. $150 for a candle that looks like a pile of olives. <laughs> what the fuck? Does it smell like olives too? I'd assume so. That's I, I did insane. not confirm. I did not confirm that it smells like olives. I that's such an insane waste of money. That's nuts to me. 150 bucks? Is this yeah. on goop? What is this? This was, I think, on the New Yorkers one, which is great because Helen Rosner's list was like it, it was almost like making fun of the gifts in some way, oh, yeah. shape, or form. So it was pretty good. Uh, last one, $432 for a handbag <laughs> that looks exactly like a basket of cherries. I'm also, I, I have to say, I'm going to drop this because $400? That's nuts. It actually looks pretty cute. Like the actual thing yeah. looks cute as hell. Yeah. But if it was like, you know, 20 bucks, I'd buy it. $400? Yeah. That's insane. Do you know what the twisted thing is? I would also drop this one, but there was another one on the New Yorkers list, which was $895 for a tote bag with a really cool like Heinz ketchup logo on it. I would Ooh. cop that. I would cop that. Wait, I would look- cop that. Wait why is it $800 though? Like, I think, I think it's crazy. Like, it's like a designer tote bag. Gotcha. Heinz, it's cool. Heinz, Heinz designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cool, man. It's cool. Okay, that's enough about Christmas gifts or holiday gifts. Sorry to to make this about Christmas. I thought of you this week because the infatuation dropped a list of the best Indian and Pakistani restaurants in Los Angeles. Did you see it? Uh, I have now. I'm very excited about this. Okay, well, look. First of all, let me ask you: Are you happy with the Pakistani representation on it? Absolutely, I am. I, and first of all, I'm happy that they even called out Pakistani food as different in the first place. That's a, I think, relatively like people are finally figuring out that they're actually two distinct cuisines, and that the restaurants that provide either cuisine are, are are different. Are different. Like, so it's cool that they even split it out, Indian and Pakistani, and there is some solid Pakistani representation here. Well, then, shouldn't you be pissed that they're on the same list? Like, why not make a them individual nah, lists. Right. We don't. We don't have to be so dramatic about it. Like, no, it's <laughs> fine to put them on the same list. I don't know if we have enough quite yet to make it like entirely their own separate list. And look, I get it. I get it. Maybe one day, though. One day we'll have Pakistani alone. Maybe one day. Maybe one day you can dream. Any places <laughs> on this list that you've been to and or respect? I've uh, been to Biryani Kebab House in uh, Koreatown. Just went there recently, actually in August. Was actually was pretty happy with it. Definitely authentic. The big thing for me, and this is just because, like you know, and also of course, Pizza Palace we've been to. That's on this list. But Badmash. in terms of authentic, Badmash, yep, another great one. Yep. Um, so I've been to a couple. There are definitely several I want to check out more. Um, and and I think the big thing for me is like you know, Zamzam Market, Al Watan, Halal Tanuri. All sounds really good. For me, the big thing is going to be menu and specifically mm. the availability of certain key items like Nahari, which is Pakistan's national dish, is typically the indicator in Biryani Kebab House has Nahari of like an authentic place. Certainly is, but pour one, pouring one out for Hundi Kebab House, my former famous uh, favorite Pakistani restaurant, they had Shami Kebab, they had like... Uh, all sorts of like they brought the right kind of samosa. They had like the couple key. If you got shami kebab, if you got samosa done the right way, nihari and gima, of course, gima yeah. gimalu. 
then then you're making it. Then you're making what it. Is, and Biryani did not have Gima and stuff. Yeah. What is samosa done the right way? So there's a <laughs> this could be just me, but there's most uh commercial restaurant samosas are with that uh are in a puff pastry that's kind of like over overstuffed triangle, right? Mm-hmm. With potatoes in them, and there's it's like a kind of thicker dough. The the uh, samosas I eat at home and my favorite ones are one filled with either kima, uh, beef or chicken, mm-hmm. right? And then they're uh, they're purely they're like a smaller triangle with a much thinner dough and it's like crispier and crunchier mm. and like just like kind of like almost like a phyllo dough more more like than like the thick kind of like pastry dough that you yeah. typically see in like potato samosa. That's what I'm looking for. That's rare. There's a there's one restaurant out here uh, that I've been able to order from in Bellevue or R- actually Redmond that has that up in Seattle. That's what I'm looking for. That kind of samosa, some shami kebab, some nahari, and some kima, and we're we're in business. Yeah. Well, if we ever make it up there, you got to show me what that's up. What's up with that? Because that sounds delicious. I I did find it interesting that the infatuations rating of biryani kebab house was a nine. Did you think it was a nine? Really high. No, no. Apparently, it's like I think they said it's like their highest rated one on this list. Um, like they're they're one in one of their top restaurants in LA. Like. That was surprising to me. Like, it, look, again, really good, really authentic. Their naan was okay. It was good, but not great. Like, and, and again, the menu. I mean, like, everything they did, they did well, no doubt. But I wouldn't necessarily go back. It wasn't like Hundi, right? When Hundi Kebab mm-hmm. House I, I was found, I found it in MacArthur Park. I took everyone I knew, right? I went myself. I took you. I took cousins. I took family friends. Like, I took everybody. I took my sister, I think. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I didn't. I can't remember if she visited. But, like, I was like, everyone come check it out. That wouldn't be Biryani Kebab House. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the yeah. other spots could take that mantle. Yeah, no, that's a big thing, especially when you're bringing people who like actually know the cuisine. Like, you got to be able to vouch for it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, sounds like we might be uh, taking some long drives next time you come to Los Angeles to check some of these places out. But we're gonna move to Can't New wait. York for the next story. Actually, we're gonna move to Mexico City by way of New York. The New York Times. Put out a list, which I swear is one of the best food lists I've ever seen. And and we've talked a lot about food lists on this podcast. We've talked a lot about what makes a good one versus a bad one. And, and honestly, we tend to lean towards these lists being bad. But this is a list not of the best restaurants in Mexico City, but of the 25 best dishes in Mexico City. And it was compiled in a pretty interesting way. Basically, what the reporter did is the reporter convened a panel of four people <laughs> who live in Mexico City full time. And the four people are, you know, one is Gabriela Camara of Contramar. The other, the other three are not chefs, but they're in the food world. Like one is a writer, one does food tours. One is like just like a, a, a person who is in charge of uh, design and aesthetics for some, for some like agency, <clears throat> I want to say. Um, so seems just like a general tastemaker. And they each had to submit like a long list of what they considered like I- iconic dishes basically in Mexico City. And through like a series of long Zoom calls, they basically debated and whittled down the list to these essential 25 dishes. And when I'm going through it, 90 I want to say 90% of these places are not just places I've never been. They're places I'd never heard of. Which is insane because we've been to Mexico City how many times? We've spent how many weeks there in our in our lives, right? We've done a ton of research on this. And for this to be a list that is not only like, you know, 
introducing new things to people, even if they're, you know, pretty old classic dishes in some cases, done by people who I, I would say seem really trustworthy. I absolutely love how this came together. This is awesome. This is this reflects a lot of the stuff I think we've been asking for a little bit more of in terms of like authentic representation of what folks like on the ground and particularly in the industry on the ground think of the food in the place. I remember when we were talking about food awards and an LA food award that's informed not just by writers, but by restaurateurs, people who work in the industry and as well as um, customers. This being like a little mini focus group of a couple key key tastemakers and like I, I, I'm, I'm digging it a ton. I haven't had a chance to read through this whole list, but this is going to be what guides me next time I head down to Mexico City because it's fucking dope. It's a great idea. And exactly like it, it's more intensive, right? It's more effort than just your, hey, let me take like my top, it, this, the same top 15 restaurants that four other outlets have, uh, you know, identified and just like, compile the same, uh, w- same list over and over again. This takes effort to go and like do the work to debate it to go try it, put it together, and it's so worth it. It's so great. Yeah, the the only sort of like hit I can think of, so sort of knock on it, is that and and the writer says this in the upfront, but basically like as opposed to featuring a lot of dishes from the hot new places, mm-hmm. it it features a lot of classics. And because when this task was assigned to the people who did it, they sort of f- found themselves just like gravitating towards nostalgia and things that they yeah. like, you know, were like, what is actually essential about the city having lived here for, you know, in some cases, 30, 40 plus years. It's just to, that to me is the one way that I think things could go wrong, right? Where like you're, you're just mm-hmm. trying to get dishes based on their like iconic status, basically, right? And I, I thought about this in terms of LA. So like if we were doing this for LA, you know, I could see how some people would be like, hey, we got to put Philippe's French dip. Some people would even be like, hey, we got to put Pink's chili fries on there or something like that, right? And that those are not two of the best dishes in Los Angeles. They're just not. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's a process question. It's an approach question. And it, I think that is the one possible critique I can see being levied at this list. Yeah, but it seems like they did the effort of like, like I could see this less being like a Pink's hot dog and more like the bone marrow at Bestia, right? Where it's like the classic restaurant that's been around for a while and the classic dish at, at, at that restaurant. Bestia, I mean, Bestia is still on lists, but like if I were to do this in Seattle, right? What ends up happening is if you ask people like where where their classic meal is or what they think of, what they think of home or their neighborhood and where they eat, I would probably take you to Grand Central Bakery which is like an old Seattle and Pacific Northwest standby fucking sandwich I've been like reliably going to for years. They're never on lists, right? They're never on lists like that. Now, it's not going to be like uh, a Seattle dog, right? I think mm-hmm. I think this list doesn't go like, oh, here's like the touristy. It's not tr- uh, I think uh, El Momo, for example, isn't on this list, right? That, and I think that's like that category. It's more like, a, hey, where would you go to lunch every day in your neighborhood? Or where would you, what was like your favorite dinner item? at like a classic restaurant that is not getting the attention from all like the hot 38 lists or whatever that might be coming out on daily, which is really exciting. I mean, there's shabu shabu on this list, right? There's yeah. like, like a whole, a whole range of dishes, which is really cool. There's like Chinese food on this list. It's, it's really yeah. cool. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's honestly like, I, it made me want to book a flight to Mexico city right away because I feel like I've done it yeah. all wrong. <laughs> 
one thing that we have. <laughs> well, one of the things that really struck me is in the upfront when the panelists were talking about why some of the new spots aren't on there, they were like, "Well, they're basically just copying everything that's come before." And um and not only that, everything tastes kind of quote unquote French, which I thought was interesting. Right. The first point on copying that's really interesting because that's like context that tourists don't have, right? That's like something that really only like the, the, the people who are from the city can know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. It's like the uh, like birria in, in LA or hot chicken or some shit like that where – or even barbecue in LA at this point, right? Where, where everyone – like a, a trend hits, everyone starts doing it and you forget the people who made it hot to begin with. And so – no, that that's cool. I like. I mean, look these these dishes don't look like anything I've really had. I mean, of the restaurants, I don't know. We've obviously been to Puyol, for example, but like of the of the dishes that I have not had here, um, they look entirely unfamiliar from where yeah. the new spots I've gone to Mexico City. So exciting! Boys trip coming soon. Okay, we're gonna do a quick Thanksgiving edition of bad idea, horrible idea, and then we're gonna move to our uh, our, our our main deal here today. First thing I wanted to, to float by your way. Is a is a Thanksgiving theme thing, which is Eater suggested making beef Wellington for Thanksgiving instead of turkey. Is this a bad idea or a horrible idea? Huh. I, I see where they're coming from. It's a. I don't think it's even a. I don't think it's a bad idea. Here, here's what I'd say. I would want Wellington in addition to my turkey, not instead of. And look, hmm. her turkey itself is already hard to make. I know Wellington's particularly tricky. Maybe it's like just because there was that really insane episode of top chef this past season where they're responsible for making three wellingtons where buddha made it look somehow accessible to make a perfect wellington it, it, look it's a bad idea why because you don't know until the wellington's done if you nailed the wellington you can't yes. be pulling a fucking wellington out the oven being like oh fuck no sorry <laughs> thanksgiving thanksgiving's canceled like yeah yeah i i that's exactly why i think this isn't just a bad idea this is a horrible idea and i want you to think <laughs> about one person and that's donna berzato played by Jamie Lee Curtis in The Bear. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. The stress <laughs> of that kitchen, making food that that cook is already familiar with on a holiday. <laughs> Amplify that by a thousand when you have to be rolling out path, puff pastry, piling on mushroom duck cells, pu- putting on meat, making sure it's cooked perfectly. I think it's way too stressful of a dish for anybody to, to, to take on for a, a holiday like Thanksgiving. This is a horrible idea. This is like a side project. Like you have the one super ambitious cousin. They want to make Wellington. Let them do it. Fine. But we are also making turkey. We're not risking it all on that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, we, we agree. We, we've come to an agreement here. Second Thanksgiving themed bad idea, horrible idea is they also suggested putting oysters in the stuffing. What are your thoughts on nah, that? No, nah, I'm not about that. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going horrible idea. I love oysters. I fucking love oysters. That does not sound right to me. Why? I think it's to me, it's a bad idea just because it's risky. It's a risky idea, you know. Like, I, I mean, look, I, I presumably they did their homework. I'm sure it actually tastes great, and like you do it right, and I like what oysters get cooked in, like mix. Like, I'm sure it's all good. It just something about it. Something about it. I don't even yeah. go that crazy with my Thanksgiving stuffing. Yeah, you like a little classic stuff. All right, fine. This next one is not really Thanksgiving themed, but it is a little end of year themed because the infatuation put out a list of their best new restaurants 2023. We're going to discuss it on a future pod in in more detail. But the one thing I wanted to point out is, of course, they left Poltergeist off the list. Bad idea, horrible idea. 
horrible idea. What are we doing here? I mean, they're the, they're the one outlet that's given Poltergeist like a semi, like a ish ad review. And again, to the very point that we discussed last time, if the criteria by which infatuation judges is how well is the place doing its thing, quote unquote, then infatu- then Poltergeist is like fucking nine, right? Like, like yeah. it's doing exactly what it promises. So I don't, I don't, I don't agree. Fuck it. Yeah, Fuck it. I agree with this. We're in agreement here. Staying with the infatuation, they've been doing series recently where they basically talk to celebrities and get the get a list of their favorite restaurants um, in town. And these lists have actually been pretty good. They they have done them with food celebrities like Molly Baz, uh, but they've also done them with people like they've done they've done other stuff as well. And um, recently they did one with twenty year olds. I think she's twenty year old, something like that. Pop singer Tate McRae. Are you familiar with Tate McRae? I've never heard of this person. Well, she's she's pretty hot with the kids, okay? And uh, they they asked her for for her recommendations, and it was literally the shittiest, most basic list I have ever seen in my life. Not only to, not only that, but it was backed up by the infatuation's own scores that that were on the list. So, for example, she she asks she puts um this place this Italian place in Hollywood called Pace or Pace. And the infatuation gave that a 7.4. So that's like mid, right? She uh, mm-hmm. she says John and Vinny's, which is like famously going downhill. There's In-N-Out Burger, uh, you know, come on. Um, there's Delilah <laughs> in West Hollywood, with the, which the infatuation gave a 6.8 to. And then her last two, and you can't make this up, it's Erewhon and Alfred Coffee. I mean, <laughs> like you, you could have gotten this list from like a British tourist. Yeah, I mean, you got it from a Canadian tourist, literally. Uh, so, I mean, look, I won't judge too harshly, I guess. But and I think I think this is still like I think I think it's a good idea to do this. One, it's cool to see uh, that celebrities have bad taste. Two, like I mean, credit to Tate. Like she's probably still learning the city. Tate, get out a little bit more. Read the infatuation. Try to pick some more interesting restaurants. But you know, whatever. Good for her. It's like a clicks clicks for the infatuation. And uh, a growing moment for Tate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great content idea. We we, we will say that. Um, yeah. And Tate, you're always welcome on the LA Food Podcast if you want to learn more about LA food, of course. Um, final final one here: rise of private restaurants in New York. So basically, this is there is a restaurant group, and I believe they own Carbone, but Carbone's definitely a part of this project. They're starting like basically a Soho club for restaurants where members pay i want to say twenty thousand dollars up front and then ten thousand dollars a year just for access to a series of private restaurants good idea bad idea horrible idea it, i hate to say it. it it might be a good idea like look based on based like look based on the criteria that will like it could be a successful idea sure right i don't love that like there's an ex- I kind of like things that are exclusive. I think that's fun. I would never pay for this, but I think it's cool to have the mystique of an exclusive, like what are they doing back there place? I'm pro Illuminati, right? Let's get weird with it. Let's figure like everyone's behind closed doors doing weird stuff. I, I think I'm pro this. I just would not want it to like spread beyond like the one percent or NFT bros who are whatever, probably buying their way into these places. 
Yeah, I, I think this is just inevitable. I think as the rich get richer, they're just not going to want to spend time with uh, with us plebeians. So I think this is just going to happen. But the the thing that I reason I think it's a horrible idea or a bad idea at least is I'm just not sure the business model is going to work. I mean, if you just get people into it enough, I assume it will. That's quite a lot of money. I don't know how it adds up, right? And they seem to be really doing a lot, right? They like committing to doing a lot here for their members. I can't. This is one of those things like. I can't imagine them doing it right. I can't imagine it being, yeah, I mean, look, if they do it right and it's worth it, worth this fucking insane cost for buying in, good for them. That's cool. I I don't know enough about how this business would work or how, how it would go down, but presumably like, yeah, it's it's all based on like, can you make it seem mysterious and compelling enough for the clientele that can afford it to to buy in? Well, it's only a matter of time it. until it comes to Los Angeles. So, yo, we should start our own. It's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> Lucas Kitchen, baby. Lucas Kitchen. We, yeah, it'll just be Evan Funky restaurants inside that you have to pay twenty thousand dollars for access to. It'll be fantastic. Sometimes, sometimes there's an air fryer if we can bring it out of storage. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. All right. Well, enough of that. We'll be right back. Thanksgiving, it's, it's, it's typically supposed to be about gratitude, right? So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about three meals that we had in 2023 that we are grateful for. Father Saul, are you ready for this? Let's do it. He literally just prepared right now while we were taking a break. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure this is going to be very thoughtful, very insightful. Father Saul, as the guest, I would like you to go first. All right. Three meals from 2023 that I feel most grateful for. Number one. Our dinner at Carmen during your bachelor party in Cartagena, Colombia, you, me, Danielle, and Sharif, just everything that I want from a night out at a restaurant. We had a, a full tasting menu, like 12 dishes, drink pairing along with it, standing right next to the music, great conversation, hilarious vibes, amazing food. And <laughs> because we were in Cartha, just like, it, I think it was less than 100 each in the end, something crazy. Yeah. It was awesome. That that night was one of those indelible like it's the same kind of vibe of the nights I first nights I remember us going out to dinner in L.A. and me being like whoa I love like this part of my life is a lot of fun and how I like to connect with people and that totally brought it all back for me just a magical evening. Yeah, that's one of those memories that you're probably gonna have on your deathbed. That's like yeah I had a good life. Yeah 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 I'm gonna be sitting on my deathbed thinking about Donnie and being like <laughs> I'm so lucky. <laughs> Wait. Uh... <laughs> Do you remember we talked about that night? I, I mean, I do. I have to think about it a little bit, but it, it, it covered a whole range of things. But I have to like really sit and think about like the particulars of conversation, but it doesn't matter. I remember yeah. at the time it was great. I remember the vibes. All I remember is like positivity and like fucking a lot of laughing and fun. There was a yeah. politics conversation too, I think. There was like I some think political that that's dog. what I remember. I remember like yeah. a really heavy political conversation. I don't think it was the night where you guys gave us the history of Pakistani politics. I think that was the night we went to the Peruvian restaurant. But mm. I think we also got pretty political. There was an Every dinner had like a weird like theme to it. And each theme was like its own TED talk. I remember one meal, we just sat around while Donnie talked to us about rivers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was a river talk for sure. I, I, I remember river talk a hundred percent. I don't remember doing the history of Pakistani politics, so I'm guessing that wasn't very accurate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it was one of those. I mean, the whole trip. I could have picked really any dinner from the trip. What made that one special was 
the quality of the restaurant. And like, it was one of those things where like everything was hitting just everything went right. Like it felt so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a great one. Okay. My first meal that I'm grateful for in 2023, and this is going to be a bit out of left field, but it is a surf and turf burrito from Rubio's Mexican grill. Uh-huh. Are you familiar this, with you, Rubio's? You, I am not familiar with Rubio's. Is this you by yourself? Is like you 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 eating? <laughs> no, this was this was me with my wife. Now Rubio's, for those of you who don't know, is is a chain. It's like it's like Baja Fresh. It's like one step up from Taco Bell, basically. But the context for this meal really matters. So this this meal happened two nights before my wedding. As you know, as you know, uh, Father Saul, because you officiated, but uh, I got married in 2023, and. Uh, Two nights before the wedding, we had like a welcome to town drinks thing. And the reason I remember really fondly that night at Rubio's, because that's just where we ended up after after having a few drinks. It was the only thing open. I just remember eating that burrito and being like, I'm on the eve of something really special here. You know, hey, like just taking yeah, yeah. it all in. And, and sometimes it's not so much the food. It's very much the context in which you're eating the food. And you're always going to have an appreciation for that particular bite. And for me, that surf and turf burrito for Rubio's is going to always have a special place in my heart because it was just, it, it, I'll associate it with like the beginning of something really, really special. I love that, man. Yeah, no, context is, is a huge, huge aspect to a memorable meal, right? It, it's core to what makes it stand out in one's mind and as a meal that you're gra- grateful for almost regardless of the food itself like i mean certainly the food needs to be special as well i think the experience needs to be special from that regard but context is everything and that's that's great stuff yeah if it had been like a truly horrific burrito and and that gave me like you know norovirus afterwards i would probably reconsider that there's not enough there's not enough like context in the world that could make that good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that it was, it was like a serviceable burrito hit the spot. It was the perfect time. It was great. So Rubio's I'll forever love you. So what's your second meal? Second meal. going to keep to a similar uh, theme as my first one. And this is actually uh, one I had recently. It was uh, my friend's bachelorette party down in LA in October um, we were celebrating her. I officiated her wedding as well just last weekend. And we went to Bestia. And I hadn't been to Bestia in a while. And it was like my pilgrimage back home. She was there. It was a group. I, it was, I was a bachelorette party. I was the only dude. Um, so I was feeling like the pressure to be cool and like, you know, be friendly with everyone, but not take up too much space, vibe. And it was just like a perfect, perfect dinner. Just so much fun. Um, had a couple like friends of friends, well, her friends there who I'm quite close with having a blast and also remembering the bone marrow pasta, remembering the pizza at Bestia, remembering all those things that were really, you know, formative memories for me from dinners that we used to have back in the day at that same restaurant and being like, oh, it felt just so right to be there. It was like uh, uh, nostalgic and new all at the same time. Just a blast. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like the perfect walk down memory lane, but in present day and with like yes. a special new context to it. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. It's like, but that's just one of those places where like the memories stack, like every single one is like, no, this one's special. No, this one's special. No, this one's special. And this was certainly another, um, another one to add to the pile of great memories there. Do you remember, did any dishes stand out this time? 
I'm trying to think of any new ones. I don't know if any if any new ones necessarily did. Squidding pasta, fucking hitting like it always did. Um, I think we had the Cavatelli, fucking hitting like just all just bangers, just like constant like reliable bangers at best. Yeah, and it was cool to like be there with folks who had not been there before and like mm-hmm. introduce them to it. Right, introducing the vibe. Right, like the energy of the place. Just so fun. Yeah, it's always fun to also show people something that you love and know really well. So that's yeah. a good one. Hey, you've given us two good answers. Are you are you feeling okay? I'm feeling great, buddy. <laughs> okay. It's just so unlike you to like answer questions like this. Um, all right. Second meal that I'm grateful for. Uh, there is uh, an awesome new sandwich shop in at the row in downtown LA um, called Pane Bianco. And it's owned by Chris mm-hmm. Bianco, the uh, pizzeria Bianco guy. Um, and he's, you know, kind of been a legend for me. Like he's, he's always been like somebody I've really respected in the food game. I'm obviously like extremely passionate about pizza. It's been something that I I've spent a lot of my time. Um, I would say studying, but it's more like eating. Um, and Chris Bianco is just a legend. Like he was sort of known as this guy who was making some of the best pizza anywhere in the world out of his like small restaurant in Phoenix, Arizona in the like mid 2000s, early 2010s and whatnot. And I remember actually, I I made a pilgrimage there when I was just about to graduate college. I was really lost and I didn't know what I was going to be doing at that time. So like a lot of people, I was trying to get into the Teach for America racket. Um, (laughs) and, and, And funny story, I did not get into Teach for America. But I did get into this like bootleg Teach for America called like Arizona Teaches or something. Like it was very like it was like uh-huh. Ari- Arizona specific. And for like the final interview, I had to drive out to Arizona to Phoenix. And um, my my one of my best friends, John Visciano, my roommate at the time, he was like, "Look, I'll drive you there. I know you don't have a car, so I'll drive you there. I have two things that I ask in return. One is we have to spend the night camping in Joshua Tree." on the way nice. there. Uh, it was all right. Um, <laughs> second, we need to go to Pizzeria Bianco when we're in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was like, hell yeah. This is not even like, absolutely, it's on me. Don't even worry. Um, and we went, John and I waited in line forever to get a table. And it was just like one of those transcendent food experiences, right? So I was really excited when I heard Pizzeria Bianco was coming to Los Angeles. But you know, I was always, I was also skeptical. Like, is it going to be as good? Is it going to be as special? Is it just going to be kind of like the Vegas version of, of, of these famous restaurants? Right. But I head to Ponte Bianco for the sandwich countdown for the sandwich project that I did. And, uh, lo and behold, Mr. Chris Bianco himself is at the restaurant. And, mm. uh, and I was invited to go by by by, uh, by the restaurant. So they let me speak to him for a few moments and, I, I thought I was just going to get to like chat to him for like, you know, two minutes, say, hi, what's up? I'm Luke. I'm a big fan. Maybe I'd slip in the story of me going to, you know, Phoenix, Arizona when I was a broke college student, maybe we'd take a selfie together and that's it. Right. We spoke for 45 minutes. Like, like literally he would not, he is a chatty guy, but he would, he was just like, you'd ask one question and he would just go off on an entire sort of like tangent about yes the subject at hand which was probably like baking or pizza or something like that 
but then he'd 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 weave in all these like beautiful like wise nuggets of like what makes a happy life i'll be honest i do not remember a single thing he said i do not remember <laughs> one single thing he said but i remember the way it felt you know yes. i remember i remember the way it felt and i just remember having this pinch me moment of oh my god i'm sitting here talking to chris bianco he's not he's never going to remember my name if i run into him again but you know what this was this was awesome this was worth it not to mention then i sat down had the sandwich and it's one of the highest rated sandwiches that i've had this year it was an incredible like roast beef sandwich which was giving like italian beef a little bit but like chefed up on their mm. house made baguette really incredible and the final cherry on top here is that also at the restaurant that day was friend of the pod Daniel Wargo, also known as Forking Around. We sat down, had lunch together, and uh, that was the start of, of, of another beautiful friendship that is blossoming in 2023. So it was just a great day out, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that lunch. That's a special, special day, man. New friends, legends of the game, giving advice and great food. Come on. doesn't get yeah. better. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. All right, Saul, final meal that you're grateful for in 2023. Don't disappoint me. I I, I, I will not. Now, first, I want a quick shout out to our dinner at Poltergeist. We've talked about, I don't, it's not my choice. It could be, certainly. It was my, one of the first that came to mind where you, me, and our friend Sharif, little bar, bar crawl down memory lane in Echo Park, head over to Poltergeist for the first time ever and are just blown away, right? It's like this whole, it's our first time hanging out since your, your bachelor party. My first time seeing Sharif since then. We're catching up. We're eating great food. It's a blast. So shout out that night. But I'm going to reference a night where I actually went to dinner in Portland. I'm cheating. Now I'm outside of LA for uh, for, for this meal. What? You, um, literally your first, first one was in Colombia. <laughs> okay, but the, the vibe was LA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I felt right. Um, so this was in Portland just a couple weeks back now. Afuri Ramen, which is a place that I think actually might be in LA as well, but I don't know if it's a, like the same chain or different. Well, apparently like an actual Japanese spot, very authentic great east side of portland amazing food just like a perfect um izakaya type experience but also with like the ramen there they have like small plates wagyu sushi everything it's just like a beautiful like we had dan dan noodle it was awesome such such good food but what made it special as it always says is context i had my uh, good friend ishan visiting from singapore as well as a friend named nikki from college who were all there and a buddy of um, ishan's name i think alex and we all went out together. Alex is the one showing us around. He lives in Portland. He knows the spot. He orders orders dinner for us. We're like, Alex, you lead the way. We're getting sake. We're chilling out, catching up on old times and having some incredible, incredible food to tee up what is a inevitably long night, as it always is with Ishan. It's just one of those times when, like, you know, it's with people that I see rarely. It's with food I've never had before. It's in Portland, and I am loving Portland, man. The food scene in Portland fucking kills. And it was just like everything – it was one of those nights where everything is falling right into place, falling yeah. right into place as it should be. Yeah. And I'll, I'll keep it short. Just a wonderful, wonderful night. Certainly one that I'm grateful for this year. That's – you know, I'm going to – I'm like I feel like you're going to make me cry. I don't know, Just something about hearing you express gratitude really gets me. I feel like I don't really <laughs> – I don't really view you as like a very grateful guy. So, oh, my God. I have um, so much gratitude, bro. All I'm thinking about <laughs> is grateful shit. I just don't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> you withhold. You withhold. No, I'm entitled. Um, I'm entitled. I think I deserve it all. That's the issue. I'm that like, is I the deserve, issue. I, 
<laughs> no, no, it's not. No, you, yeah, you know what? I think you're just you're just a very giving person. You don't stop to like uh, to 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 express gratitude or even to receive things very often. So, hey, and that's the last <laughs> nice thing I'm going to say about you today. Okay. Um, third meal I'm grateful for. We'll, we'll we'll bring it home right here. It was beautiful experience of accidentally stumbling upon one of the best meals you've ever had, mm. and. My wife and I decided to take a trip up to Ojai this summer. We had never been. We wanted, we'd always heard it's beautiful. So it's a quick, like, I think it took us like three hours to get there uh, driving. So it wasn't that quick, but it's a beautiful drive. You drive like past Santa Barbara, up a beautiful hill, like into a valley. And it's, it's, a, it's a really picturesque day trip from Los Angeles if you're ever in the market for one. And um, I had a list of like four different places I wanted to check out eating wise in Ojai. Uh, just because it's like, when are we going to come back again? Who knows? Um, so we go to the first place, which was called the Duchess. It was really good. The Duchess was really good. And I overate at the Duchess. I was like, but it basically made me so full. I didn't want anything else for the rest of the day. Um, so, you know, I, my plans were kind of out the window. However, while we were walking around Ojai, we did walk by one of the other spots that had been on my radar called Pinion. It's a pizza spot. Mm. And I walked by and it looked so appetizing that despite how full I was, I was like, I have to stop in there. I just have to. Something, something in the You're universe told me. Something just in the universe told me, you have to stop in there. It's going to be special. Okay. So we go in there, my wife and I, and we order a pizza. We ordered like one of their seasonal pizzas. It had like zucchini and squash flowers and like a ricotta or something like that. And just because they looked really good, a side, a side plate of just anchovies and olive oil, which were amazing, oh, yeah. but that's neither here nor there. Literally, dude, this pizza comes out. I take a bite and like, it's the kind of experience, like a tear comes to your eye. And I, I mean this, this may be one of, I told, I said this to my wife in the moment, this may be this may be the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Like, wow. And I've had a lot of pizza and I, I just took a bite and I, and I wasn't hungry at all, mind you, at all. And usually that's when stuff tastes the best. And I was like, the flavor of this crust is so clean. The structural integrity of this pizza is incredible. Just the way all these flavors are melting, the, the ratio of the bites are perfect. My mind was just like going like Rain Man style. Like, can I find anything wrong with this pizza? <laughs> and, and nothing. Like it, it came out like 100% on the countdown a meter. And like, Damn. I just, it, it, to this day, I can't stop dreaming about Pinion's pizza. And I don't know what it is. It, I, maybe I'll go back and it won't be as good. Who knows? But there's maybe one pizza or two pizzas in Los Angeles that get close, but that's got to be one of the best pizzas I've ever had. And I'm extremely grateful I was able to have it in 2023. That's awesome. I like it. I like how your stories are primarily food centric and mine are primarily friend centric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm grateful for this meal with my best friends. And you're like, I ate pizza. It was so dope. <laughs> that's not true. My first one was literally about almost like about to be getting married. And I know. I know. Yeah. And the second one was also friend based, I think. Yeah. But also like, yeah, it's true. Food, food is my best friend, but also honorable mention. I also want to give an honorable mention to the meal we had at Poltergeist because that night was incredible. We also started that night at Mother Wolf, mind you, and then went on a oh, park. Oh, I forgot ride. about that. I read yeah. it was all the same night. Yeah, shit. Yeah. So that was a very, very special night. And also one of those nights where you're like, wow, food is awesome. Friends are awesome. We're just laughing, <laughs> loving, having a good time. Well, saw. 
I want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. I uh, think it goes without saying, but I am grateful for you um, and grateful for everything you've done for this pod. And I think our, our listeners probably deep down also feel grateful, even though some might also feel a, a tad resentful. But before we let you go for today, we need to end it with one of my new favorite segments on this podcast, and that's Shitty Yelp Review of the Week. Shitty Yelp Review of the Week. Shitty Boyfriend Yelp Review of the Week. All right. I'm going to make mine quick. This is a pretty classic. I, I don't know about classic scenario, but let me lay the groundwork. I am an all-star traveler. You're talking to an Alaska Airlines MVP gold member. I'm getting, I got benefits left, right, and center. I, I am, I am, I have traveled down to a science and I get lucky when I travel. I'm not one of those people where everything goes wrong. No, I walk into the airport with my flights boarding. I'm probably getting like, a better seat and I'm walking straight onto the plane. It happens smooth every time. So my girlfriend and I have a, had a bunch of travel this fall. And recently we fell prey to not once, but twice a pretty classic uh, relationship travel conundrum where uh, your boy oh. gets a first class seat and your girl's in the back in the middle. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, look, I've earned this. No. Okay. I offered to be clear. I offered the seat. I was like, do you want it? And she was like, no. She was like, no, I want you to have it. But it's one of those things where I think if I'd really insisted, I could have. I mean, I should have, right, boyfriend-wise. But in my head, I'm like, nah, this is mine. This is mine. So, okay, <laughs> so okay. I take my seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long was the flight? One flight was just LA to Seattle. So pretty quick. Not too bad. Not the end of the world. Uh, still a rough look when you're in the first row of the plane and you're like, have a good time back there as your girlfriend walks <laughs> past in the later row. The other flight, the one more recent, uh, cross country. And yeah, I was in, I was yeah. in first, I was in premiere. I was like, in a, I was an upgraded seat in an aisle seat, like way up front with like maybe four inches extra leg room, that kind of situation. She's in the second to last row of the plane. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's a tough I, look. It's a tough look. I'll accept that. But, you know, you earn it. You earn it, your lifestyle. You earn your own luck. There is an argument to be made that you're not in the wrong here because you are bigger than her. You know, you do need that extra like room. You do benefit I think that, more that from was, it. That was part of the logic for the cross, the cross country one I felt bad about because I was also after the one I already felt guilty about, the first class up from L.A. to Seattle. And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that again. But it was more like, look you're going to be squeezed in back there. And in fact, she was, she was next to a big Indian auntie, apparently who was very talkative and she like was able to like, you know, apparently sit comfortably in the seat for the most part that whole time. And the four extra inches were great for me. I guess getting coming down with the flu during the flight as it happened too, it was like a whole, whole scenario, but certainly still like, as it was happening, it was like, this is a, this is a bad Yelp review of the week story for sure. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you are, um, this is maybe this is giving three and a half stars. It's really three and a half stars. Okay, yeah, that's a it's, positive review. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. There's enough. There's enough in your defense to make this justifiable. You did earn the miles too. I think it's. Mm. I think it's more so just like, yeah, by certain standards, you should be giving it up. Um, the optics. The optics of being in first class when your girlfriend goes back. It's it's a tough look. It's a tough. It's look tough optically, sure. yeah. From a PR perspective, it's bad, and that's why I'm <laughs> going to give you a three and a half because from a PR perspective, you would probably get some people hating on your decision. But I also uh -huh. think you'd get enough people 
definitely like men's rights activists and people who yeah, are probably yeah, the people like, you want in your corner the the classic yeah. crowd you always yeah. want to have on your side when you know it, you're right it's the venn diagram between you and batali basically <laughs> yeah Jesus. so i think three stars three and a half stars not the worst thing you've ever done but yeah you, you could do better yeah 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 okay all right let's hear it bro my yelp review has nothing to do with uh my partner for once you know that's not the story. The story is about a lunch I had recently with a chef we very much admire, and that's Diego Argotti of, uh, of Poltergeist. So mm. Diego and I went to uh, Olympic Boulevard's Taco Row, where actually we did our taco crawl as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and we went to uh, go do a little taco crawl of our own. We just did the shrimp tacos. We went to Mariscos Cuatro Vientos first and then Mariscos Jalisco. And... As we were at Morisco Salisco, our tacos had just come out. Diego is telling me one of his incredible stories. You know, where I'm, I'm literally like, I've taken one bite of the taco and I'm, I'm loving life, you know, listening to his story, um, eating this taco. Diego stops mid-sentence and just yells, stop, stop, and runs out into the middle of the traffic road in Olymp- on Olympic Boulevard. Turns out, this dude had seen a stray dog run run out Whoa. into the street and he literally dropped all his food left his dropped his phone ran out into the middle of oncoming traffic to save this random dog dude holy literally. shit here's where i come in i see <laughs> him do this and i literally think i don't want to do that wow I think I, 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 I should probably go out there and, and help him, but I want to eat this taco. It just came out of the wow. fire. It's hot. Wow. It's hot. It's, it's going to, you know how quickly those things deteriorate. They've got salsa on them. They go soggy. So I'm sitting there and there's a solid, like probably 30 seconds where I'm just looking at him, seeing if the situation is going to resolve itself before I finally put down my taco. And just like go over and pretend to be interested. Um, oh no! While this man has like literally like basically single handedly saved this dog's life. So I didn't feel great about myself. His instincts are definitely far more heroic than mine. I, I think I don't deserve a good review for that one. No, yeah, that's that's a. I mean, look, the dog was that's a two. I'd say two star. I say two star okay. because look, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen necessarily for a heroic story, right? It one. One a dog to every man. Diego's got it. But first of all, how about how what what a class? Like, of course that shit would happen with Diego. And first of all, what a fucking mensch! Like, what a mensch. seeing that making the move, making how did he save the dog? What happened? Like, what's the end of the story? Dog, here? dog was saved. Dog was saved. He literally like scared it off the road, and basically okay. like and and the the dog. I mean, we can't vouch for what happened to the dog later in that day. Didn't seem oh, okay. like the dog had great street smarts. But um, in, in that particular scenario, Diego was able to save the dog from getting he hit by the got, oncoming traffic. He could have got hit by a car. He could have got Dude, hit by a car. That's crazy. That is a dangerous street too. Like those cars are zipping yeah. past. And, and uh, yeah, he, he put it all on the line for this dog. He's a hero. You're a coward. You get a, you get a coward's two-star. You get a coward's okay. two-star. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> to be clear, I did eventually go. You know, I just took a couple uh-huh. more bites of the taco, but, but yeah. So yeah. Anyways, bro. Well, that'll do for today. Um, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. 
give my best to your uh, to your family, to Isa, to Emily, to her family. And uh, I think we'll be back next week to talk about a subject I love, the Great British Bake Off. Ooh, I cannot wait. Hey, same well wishes to your family and, and to Morgan's mom and dad. Um, can't wait to talk about GBBO. I have some thoughts. Oh, I can't wait. Safe travels, bud. Take care, bro. Thanks for listening to another episode of the LA Food Podcast. Thanks to Father Saul, as always, for joining us. And thanks to you, listener, for spending an hour of your week with us. If you like what you heard today, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating, a review, subscribe. Seriously, you know how grateful I am when you take a moment to do that. It really helps us make our way up the charts on Spotify and on Apple. We'll be back with another epic episode next week. But in the meantime, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and threads at The LA Countdown. That's T-H-E-L-A-C-O-U-N-T-D-O-W-N. You can also find me on Instagram at LA Food Pod. That's L-A-F-O-O-D-P-O-D. Happy Thanksgiving!